Welcome back to the High School Transcript Podcast. Today, Daniel and I had the pleasure of sitting down with our theater director, Mr. Carlin, and we got to talk about our fall show, which is going to be The God of Carnage, a dark comedy in which we get to beat the crap out of each other on stage. We will be performing December 8th, 9th, and 10th from 7 to 9. We also got to talk about Mr. Carlin's education and career experiences, including that time he almost got robbed. And now, to Claudio and Daniel. It's pretty competitive. There, when Daniel and I were walking up here, we I estimated that it's probably going to be at least a hundred seniors that will be in, in, total? in the monologue competition. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. And they usually narrow it down to about eight people, so that's eight percent. I remember there was a pretty cool like uh, musical monologue that I forget which year we went that we went to see it. I think it might have been my freshman year, but there was some pretty pretty cool stuff up there. It's it's always been one of your monologues can be a song. But you've got to be pretty comfortable. You've got to be a music person to to be. You know, if you're going to do a song for one of your monologues, you better be hooked up in that category. Yeah, I'm still like in, in between. Like I still want to do it, but I don't want to like agree to doing it. And then I'm like, oh wait, no, I'm too busy now. You know, so. have to retract. Like back yeah, out I don't want to yeah. retract. I see I, that. I love. It. He has a terrific. Both of you have a terrific work ethics. If you're going to make a decision to work on something, you're going to give it your all and yeah. have a really good product to show for it. Well, speaking of CETA and competition, we recently just changed our play title. Would you like to give more information on that, Mr. Carl? Well, we changed our play title from a comedy called The Nerd by Larry Shu. It is arguably considered one of the funniest plays ever, and actually went up to Mr. Kaiser and I said, Mr. Kaiser, how would you like to, to do it one more time? And he was all for it. And we cast it and we, how long did we rehearse? You guys were- I think it was like five-ish weeks. Yeah. Was probably, it that many? Probably more. Was it that many? Yeah, I think it was, it was a pretty good amount. Because we didn't, we didn't start, uh, maybe you're right, we didn't start rehearsing until um, a week or so after Labor Day. Yeah. Yeah, it was four or five weeks. Yeah, I think it was about that. Okay. Anyway, there was a schedule conflict. And um, to be as specific as I can, there was a, a renter, an organization performing group that rents our theater um, periodically throughout the year. There's actually more than one renter. And they were, unbeknownst to us, they were scheduled the weekend before for um, our show dates. And Mr. Kaiser and I knew we could not stage the nerd having to tear down our set and put it back up four days before we open. And you were there also for this. We discussed with the cast um, the possibility that we could perform it in November before Thanksgiving vacation. And we universally agreed that that was not enough time for us. So I had to make a quick decision. So we uh, canceled that show and I brought to you guys the second choice I had for our fall play, which is called God of Carnage. And uh, it's a four character play um, featuring two middle-aged adults who meet to discuss a fight that each of their 11-year-old boys got into 
Actually, if those characters were here right now, they would say, well, it wasn't really a fight. (laughs) They were having a spat, and one hit the other one with a stick in the face and basically knocks out two of his teeth. Now, this is all offstage business because the fight has already taken place when the play starts. And the adults um, start out with their planned, civilized, cordial discussion and it's real time so they're there for about an hour and a half talking and during that hour and a half play uh, it uh, starts to the the cordial behavior the friendliness the the forced patience that they're all trying really hard to maintain uh, page by page starts to dissolve until it turns into arguing until it turns into debating, until it turns into a violent debate with um, not-so-civilized behavior. And as far as the theme of play, some people don't like to talk about the theme in the play, but we we can let the audience um, figure it out for themselves. Decide what the play means. Going back to the nerd, I think it was interesting because you mentioned something at a rehearsal. Actually, I think it might have been in class, but like... We had all kind of looked forward to it, but then once we got there and we were going through that rehearsal process of the nerd, something didn't feel right. And I could definitely identify with that. I don't know what it was, it just, reading it, once we had read it, it seemed really fun to perform. But when we got into that rehearsal process, something just seemed off. It didn't feel like a like a hand in the glove. It, it felt like just something was off. Yeah, it felt like there was a lot of like work that needed to be improved on, but no one could really like grasp on it to like yeah. keep it moving like we're like stuck and we're trying to like figure it out in a way so i think i don't know what it was with actual i think it might have been the duality of like the flamboyance but also the darkness that i was struggling with mm-hmm. but i just felt so far away from him the the entire time i was trying things but nothing felt like it was hitting the the nail on the head yeah not not every actor in every role it's not always going to be a perfect fit um, there have been times when you know I've experienced that with a cast and, and they just worked through it um, I think this experience just kind of f- more fully reinforced for me that I'm, I'm not a firm believer in the show must go on I think there's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there's I mean we had that last year too yeah I was telling Daniel, it's kind of funny, it's two years in a row, and then we go from two to four. So we don't, only went up by two. Yeah. Might be a luck thing. I don't know. Okay, we'll so, see. so you're, you're, you're thinking because th- there was uh, trouble and title switching two years in a row that, uh, that this happens regularly. Maybe the stars are aligning. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm remaining hopeful. I remember having, but, last fall, I remember having scheduling conflicts with the students. Yeah. You know, it, it would have been, I, I was not about to get into a play uh, with um, somebody absent every single rehearsal. Yeah. And the the show that we were attempting to, one of the shows we were attempting to start last fall was was Tracks. And that's pretty much an ensemble piece with just about everybody on stage for for most of the play. And if if there was going to be frequent absences, I didn't want to go there. And um, the only two who had a pretty open schedule who I felt uh, could, you know, work together on something. It was you guys. And 
that's how I came to choose the zoo story. Yeah. And I think that's what happened with the nerd too. It's just yeah. Not only was it a lot of rehearsal, but we had to even add more to that. So it it made people less like you know able to commit to like rehearsals and stuff. It, it was kind of strange. It felt like we had so much time, but days were just going by, and I didn't feel like we were hitting that stride. Yeah. I think with with every show, at least that I've done with you, it, it seems like at a certain point everything just we're we're done being acclimated to the show and stuff just starts rolling and it, it just keeps going until we open. I didn't feel that at all with the nerd. I felt like there was this big mountain in front of us that was kept getting halfway up and falling back down. I'm wondering if the fact that it took me the better part of three weeks to cast the show was a was a sign that <laughs> you know, not everybody you know fit their roles to a t i think i was counting on people just i mean because you guys are a, a bright group you know everybody's you know involved is really bright and really smart um but you're right people didn't look um didn't always look comfortable up there so and i think that's kind of similar with like last year and this year in the fall it seems like when we changed to a different title it clicked because with this one, I definitely feel like there's still that mountain in ahead of us, but it's not as impossible. It's more it, like, it just feels like it feels more confident. Like yeah. I got, we got this. We got yeah. this. Yeah. I'm not sure what it is, but it's just I think there's an air of confidence with everyone regarding this show that, that we didn't have it all with the nerd. Comedy is a it, it's a tough nut to crack, and sometimes you know you understand that something is funny, but. When it comes down to you actually executing it, you know, with vocals, you know, how, how you say the line, yeah. t- timing, the physicality involved, that's that's not easy for for some people. Personally, I was always more comfortable doing comedy because I felt like audiences more easily accepted. Uh, you know, something in a comedy that's, you know, beyond reality, like farcical or uh, sitcomish. Um, but when you're doing a drama, um, I think the typical audience is very critical of it because they're comparing it with reality. Yeah. Uh, and you can approach comedy from a realistic, uh, you know, realistic foundation, but at some point, you got to figure out why the play is funny and you got to serve the play. You've got to find that humor and figure out how you're going to portray it. And that's not the easy part. Well, talking about kind of the fall shows and everything, you want to give our listeners a kind of a sneak peek at what CETA is and why we put these pieces together every fall? Yeah, sure. We've been uh, competing in the uh, California Education- Educational Theater Association Festival for uh, um, 100% of the time that I've been teaching at Lake Elsinore Unified. And uh, I've been teaching for 30 years, but here at Lake Elsinore, uh, I'm in my 26th year. So, and we've entered CETA every year, either when I was at Elsinore for a few years, when I was at Temescal for a few years, and uh, since I've been at uh, Lakeside. And it basically involves uh, the fall play each year and uh, the fall play is entered into competition against roughly 60 other high schools around the Southern California area. There are four divisions, San Diego, 
Inland Empire, Orange County, and Los Angeles. And usually there's roughly, give or take, because some schools step out of it for a year or so, and sometimes there's new schools coming in. But it always seems like it's roughly, you know, 60 schools that are involved. And the, there are judges who represent CETA, who uh, come to see all of the fall plays, and they give the plays a score, a written score with a, with a written critique. And uh, there are division winners, and it goes from first to, you know, divide 60 by four. It's roughly 15 schools in each division. And if your school is first in its division, that means the entire play is taken to the January festival that follows all of the adjudication, all the judging. And it's a three-day festival in January. Um, and uh, it's usually the highlight of the year for students. You get to see theater performed by other high schools and um, you know, the competition aside, it's just plain old, plain old fun. Uh, sometimes competition gets a little stressful and students feel like they, you know, they failed if they don't win. Um, if you're having a good time and you're learning something and you're meeting people and, and enjoying sharing the theater experience with, with other students, uh, then it's, it's a win-win. You haven't been yet, have you, Daniel? No, I haven't. I'm it's so, it's so it. fun. I, yeah. that's why I was so... Sad that we got we didn't get to go last year because the the best part is the energy in the theater definitely and how supportive if if we filled up our theater uh, how, how many seats it's like six hundred if we put some in the very back you know folding chairs in the back <laughs> we can exceed six hundred the CETA audience is more than twice that size it's it's roughly around thirteen hundred students and, and teachers and adults parents and the energy is just full-blown positive Electric. energetic you know huge ovations and everybody gets the jokes and there's standing ovations and it's it's just the it's it's a memory that you'll that you'll take with you always that's why my last year my heart was broken when when they chose to cancel the, fan, the festival because of the pandemic you guys won it last year in our division, and you should have shown that to a big audience. Yeah. I think it was my freshman year. They did, um, what was the show? The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Night? I don't know if that's verbatim in the title. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. Yeah, that was, they their, did a great their job. Their lead did such an amazing job. That dude was a celebrity the entire week. Oh, yeah, I remember. Like, yeah, I remember yeah. you guys telling me about that. But, like, he, standing ovation, everyone's, yay! Yeah. And everyone was so excited. That's that's what kind of sucks that we don't get here. It just seems like we kill ourselves for two and a half months to put these shows together. And then our audience is not on par with the work yeah, I, we've put in. <laughs> gosh, I couldn't believe one time. This was just a few years ago. I was having a conversation with students about how we tend to get, you know, small audiences. And I heard that um, it's, it's students tend to not want to come if they've never heard of the title. They want, you know, Disney or whatever, and then they're more likely to, to come and see it. And one student said, uh, one of my friends told me she didn't even know we had a theater department. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a theater department outside the box players. 
That was me a freshman year. I didn't even know there's theater here. Like I wanted to act, but I was like, where do I go? I'm pretty sure the only reason I knew that was because I was in your terracotta class. Because I'm, I, I've seen it on like the when you choose when students choose their courses, but it's not advertised much. Like you don't hear the theater department or club or anything really advertised up there with Vapa. I know one of many teachers. They, they shout out the Vapa groups. They talk about band, color guard. Um, who else is there? Kaiser's kids. But somehow we always get left out of that. Yeah. Don't know how, but. And kind of co- going back, uh, you mentioned sitcoms. Like, what's your favorite sitcom, Ooh. would you say? My favorite all-time sitcom. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to go back to what I grew up with. Um, and. Part of me is embarrassed to say this, but I think that the show is much more than than how people typically criticize this show. And this show is um, <clears throat> Gilligan's Island. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have an aunt that's just, she loves it. I, I'm fairly certain. I grew up with the show. I've read books about the show and it's silly. It's inane. It's completely stupid. But I grew up with it. It's my childhood. If you want to ask me what my one of my, you know, a, a modern favorite that I have, uh, Cheers was always good. Um, uh, I think, but I think I laughed more watching Two and a Half Men than any other <laughs> sitcom. Favorite movie? Ever? Ever. Oh, I switch it every year. <laughs> Give me your top three. Top three. Gosh, I hate you. Um, Is that a movie title? <laughs> uh, I hate you, probably. Uh, I've never seen it. I guess it could be uh, another God of Carnage alternate title. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I've always loved It's a Wonderful Life. Um, um, which it had an interesting uh, history because when it first came out, it got mild reviews. I think it got some Oscar nominations, but didn't win anything. And it wasn't until uh, the movie started to be broadcast on television regularly. Uh, You know, it became this Christmas special, you know, the same way The Wizard of Oz, when we were growing up, The Wizard of Oz was televised once a year. And it it just had a, It's a Wonderful Life just had this rebirth, it had this new life, and has become um, one of America's favorite favorite movies. I just love what it says and... uh, uh, just has good good message for the audience. If you've never seen it, I'm not going to spoil anything. You just have to go and see it, folks. Would you prefer like older films more than like today's films? A lot of my favorite films are all all over the map. Mm. Um, from the '60s, I love The Graduate. Um, from the '70s, gosh, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest which has this, the distinction of being one of three movies that won Oscars for picture, screenplay, director, actor, and actress. Only three movies have done that. Wow. Uh, from the 80s, uh, I love Tootsie because it, <laughs> it really says something about uh, the male, you know, how the male views the, the female in society. Yeah. And Dustin Hoffman plays this... Uh, kind of rude, sarcastic, uh, unsympathetic male who's just kind of domineering. He's somewhat of a womanizer. And he ends up being in a situation where he needs to 
portray a woman to to solve a problem. Actually, it's not a problem when he starts portraying the woman, but shortly <laughs> after it becomes this problem, and that's the rest of the movie is him trying to get out of the problem. But he learns a lot about about respecting other people, especially especially women. Would you say you have like a favorite actor? Uh, today, uh, you know, people our audience might might have heard of. Um, I think Morgan Freeman is terrific. Anthony Hopkins. Uh, Dustin Hoffman is still around, but he doesn't he doesn't do a lot. Yeah, those are my favorites. Cool. There's there's, there's more. Robert De Niro, Al Pacino. Definitely. Tracking back to what I said, obviously we've been working together for, gosh. Six. Going on six years? We're, we're, in, we're in our sixth year, yeah. Speaking of middle school, can you fill us in a little bit on that? I, I talked to Snyder about this because he went from uh, the high school arena down to middle school back to high school. How did, what's, when did you start at TC? Was that before Lakeside? No. Or before? No, they, uh, the powers that be uh, a, a, a approached me. <laughs> um about seven years ago, I guess it was something that they were doing across the district because I know that one of the other theater teachers in our district uh, was asked the same thing at the same time, and that is uh, to to uh, continue teaching theater at high school, but also um, taking over the theater departments at, at uh, a particular middle school. In my case, it, it's terracotta, and I... You know, I, I was trying to think the other day how many years I've been there, and it's I, I'm sure it's not less than seven, because I know when when I when you started with me, it was in the seventh grade, not the sixth grade, yeah. right? Uh, I know I had been teaching uh, at least a year or two at Terracotta before that, so I think you're still it's, kind of fairly new then. I at, had at Terracotta, yeah, yeah, it only been about a year or two. Wow, yeah. I don't think I ever saw you there because I went to Terracotta. I think when you were going to. Yeah, I, I'd seen you yeah. around. I just hadn't. We were on a collision course. So we, we've had a destiny to meet. Yeah. <laughs> I used to see this guy around all the time. Have you been able to do like a second second production since that? I don't remember the title of it. That, since that other you're, one? you're thinking of because you went to see it. Yeah. Um, at, uh, once, I, once Upon a Playground. Mm -hmm. uh, I have not. Have you just not had the group for it? Or? Well, it's difficult to, um, you know, for the first half of last year, I had a, a sixth period class and I wasn't able to get over to Terracotta to be able to, um, you know, get the club going and, uh, so, uh, until the spring semester. And I had a few people um, in, the, in the club and we were talking about the possibility of performing, performing stuff, but it, um, those particular students either had too much going on or they were in sports. Uh, I guess they liked me, so they came to the club meetings. Uh, but it, it never it, it never grew into, uh, you know, performing a show. I, I think, think it was just a place to hang out for them. It is a shame we don't have that same theatrical interest. Because I know Elsinore, I think they, do, they did Shrek the musical last year, and I recall they, them doing it once before then. I think they could do years. Shrek backwards they've Probably. done Shrek so many times <laughs> but but I've seen them with like these really big casts and these 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 large groups Music, mus musicals attract people yeah I don't know if it's just that 
how, what was TC like when you were over there uh, to Mescal? Was that was there? I did a, a fair uh, amount I did of support. Five or six musicals over there. Uh, there was this thing called a choir department when when I was teaching at at Temescal. and uh, our school Lakeside does not have a choir department, and it's tough to find you know a choreographer, and um, it makes it really difficult to do a musical. I wish we could have done like one big collaborative thing with like dance band us and Kaiser's kids, the whole performing arts building. Well, um, we've tried to join forces with, um, with other departments. Band helped us out big time when we did Godspell here. Mm -hmm. Um, they put a small rock combo together and, uh, the, that particular band was actually on stage playing with the characters. Godspell, the, the musical just kind of allows for that. Not all musicals do you want the orchestra on stage with the <laughs> performers, but Godspell works works well that way. What would you say yeah. is your path was like before teaching, like how you got into drama and everything? Uh, I worked a few years in, in banking. I had different tellering positions. I was in the note department. Don't ask me to talk about it because it's pretty boring. <laughs> Uh, just various customer service positions in various banks. I got robbed once, or at least he tried to rob me. Oh, wow. What was yeah, that? Like? Somebody came up to my window and he says, "Give your all, give me all your money, or I'll blow your head off." And I stared at him. <laughs> Did he have like a weapon or anything, or was he just? He never talking? showed a weapon. But at first, I thought he was kidding. <laughs> so I kind of I can't I can't do it on the podcast, but I kind of looked at him like, "You're kidding." And he waited about two or three seconds, stepped over to the next window. She gave him all the money she had in her drawer, and he walked out. It shouldn't be that easy. <laughs> you don't know if he had a weapon? Nope. I don't even know if they caught the guy because nobody ever talked wow. about. Wow. There's I, no like button under, like beep, behind the desk that button. you could. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> he could have been faking it. Well, we're told that um, if we hit an alarm, if we, uh, you have to be careful with that. Because, I get shot. Well, no, if, well, that, that's one <laughs> of the things. If the perpetrator realizes that um, people on the outside, like the police, know it, know about it, and they're coming, then you increase the likelihood that, that people inside the bank are going to be held hostage. Yeah. So the, the main thing is you get the guy out of there. And I, maybe I should have just given him the money, but he didn't stay with me long enough. <laughs> he went, Like I said, he gave me a couple seconds and went to the next teller, got what money he wanted and left, and we shut the door and we locked it. So in that sense, it was a success. Wow. The bank didn't lose any money on at my window. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't me. Did he look like? Did he look intimidating? Because it's kind of weird for someone to just hand you money. Give me your money. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just walks over the next window. Uh, you know, uh, people are people. Sometimes people look intimidating, or they're not. They're the nicest people around. Uh, yeah, it's hard to predict that. Mm. Anyway, moving on. Uh, <laughs> 
I, I also worked for uh, two and a half years in aerospace and I had not a clue what I was doing because it was all numbers. So if it was connected to a, a um, you know, a piece of machinery or, or something for, for the space program, I didn't have any idea what the part was. It was just numbers and forecasting how much it was going to cost to build this part. And I lasted a, almost two and a half years. And that was around the time that I decided um, that I'd like to be paid to work in the theater. And I think I was pretty close to not wanting to pursue it professionally because it just seemed like a huge risk. And I had these visions of being a 55-year-old waiter someday. I was 30 at the time when I decided to teach. And I thought, okay, it's not too late. So I went back to school. I got another degree, got an English degree, because I already had a theater degree and a teaching credential and started uh, started subbing and eventually got a job teaching. And after a few years, I came out to Lake Elsinore and have been here ever since. Where were you teaching at? Where were you teaching at to begin with? I was in the South Bay area. Okay. You know, around the... Palos Verdes, Redondo Beach, yeah. Torrance areas. So what what do you think called you back to theater? Was that, because I know you've, you've done shows before, you've showed us pictures. What <laughs> did that, what was your, maybe your experience with theater throughout your schooling, your public well, you, education? Well, you said called me back to theater. Yeah. I, I was in uh, various types of theater and, and performing uh, almost continuously since my junior year in high school. I was either working on a film project or doing community theater or, um, uh, but, um, you know, when I started working full time, I also worked in grocery stores for a while too. Um, I, uh, I was still able to do theater in the evening and on the weekends, but I just felt like the jobs that I had, um, you know, grocery store, banks, aerospace, um, I, I never called any of those, any of those positions a career. Uh, it wasn't until I started teaching that, that I, you know, called what I was doing a career. And I enjoy working with, with uh, kids and I enjoy directing plays. And, um, so it's been, it's been for the most part uh, enjoyable. What, so, what advice would you like give to people that are entering like the entertainment industry? You really have to to tell yourself that this is the number one thing that I want to do, and I'm willing to take the risk. If you're and you have to be a hundred percent, hundred one percent positive. If you're hemming and hawing and hesitating, you're probably telling yourself that you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket and pursue that as a career. Yeah. You can always do it as, as a hobby or something off to the side. Um, and if you want a steady paycheck and you don't want it to be a huge risk, then I recommend you do something else. You have to be obsessed with it and yeah. know that this is why you're on the planet and there's nothing else for me to do. And I'm willing to live the kind of life that I'm gonna have to live uh, if I'm going to be a struggling performer, because it could take five years, 10 years, 20 years. You could spend your entire life pursuing the career and maybe you'll get a commercial out of it. 
Yeah, that's how I felt with the zoo story, because, like, it was my first big play, and it was, like, a big hit to me, because I was, like, prioritizing that, like, 90% of the day, and I realized that, like, when you act, you gotta really, like, wrap your whole entire arms around, like, you can't just, like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna memorize my lines later, like, you gotta, like, be running them, like, all day, pretty much. Proactively engaged. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're, you're, you have a, and I I don't mean this. All the time. in class, I just yeah, I, reading his lines. I don't mean this in a negative sense. It's a it's a positive thing. You have this obsessive work ethic, and you're constantly working at it. You live with your project. Yeah, and you know some students, you know maybe don't even think about school when they're not on campus. And yeah, I know you take it home with you. Yeah, I think for so, me it's it's like finding a balance. I don't want to be too engrossed in it where it's like taking over my entire life, but I, it's sometimes it's a, it's a refuge for me. Like I know I have the show that I'm working on right now. To mm-hmm. it, it's always a thing that I look forward to. It, it feels weird when I'm not doing one. Yeah, I always I always looked at it as a. Um, sometimes I felt more at home on stage than I did as myself. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, and so it was, uh, you know, it was rather therapeutic, and uh, I enjoyed putting myself in the shoes of other people, the way Atticus Finch talks to his kids in To Kill a Mockingbird. Sometimes to understand somebody, you need to walk around in their shoes. Yeah. And it's, um, I think typical actors are uh, open-minded and uh, supportive of, of other people and are more, I think they're very, they're a very giving people too. I mean, I try to be. (laughs) You're you're all all right, Claudia. Okay, so now we're going to do rapid-fire questions, and the first one is tomato, fruit, or veggie? Vegetable. Vegetable. Fruit on pizza. Negative. DC versus Marvel. And why? Yeah. Okay, the first thing that hit my mind was, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) But if I... If, if, did you say and why? Yeah. I don't think I can choose because I I think I isn't okay. I'm gonna admit my disconnection with the whole thing, but isn't uh, isn't Batman DC? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the Batman Begins I think is the best superhero movie ever, but I do like a lot of characters from from uh, from Marvel. I just feel like Marvel just it. So much is. I didn't like the Marvel movies that had uh, eight superheroes in it. I just like the one superhero origin story. I'm the same, yeah. I don't need an army of superheroes. <laughs> uh, I got bored with that really fast. So there's my answer. That's fair. Yeah. Cats or dogs? Oh, gosh. If you vacation a lot, cats are handy because they can take care of themselves. One time I got stuck in the hospital for four days. I wasn't sick, it was a mistake, but I was stuck in the hospital and we weren't there to feed the cats. And the cat that did have claws went into the pantry, scratched open the cat food bag, and they supported themselves. Dogs would have just cried for for the whole time I was gone. But I love dogs because dogs are more affectionate. and So I, I love them both. I've had cats and dogs. I wish we had time to get into the hospital story. We're gonna to have to have you on again. Uh, but uh, no matter, because I I would have spared you the detail. <laughs> yeah, I just felt I felt weird one day, and um, 
I probably spoke too much, so I had to get taken to the hospital. And, and it wasn't until I got a friend of mine who's a doctor to come down there and tell all the nurses to lay off and let him go. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been Mr. a pleasure, Carlin. guys. Yeah, I had nice. a lot of fun. Super fun. Yeah, thank you. All right, thank you for listening to High School Transcript. Remember, you guys can find us on Spotify and iTunes at High School Transcript, and be sure to follow us on Instagram at High School Transcript, all one word. And if you have any teachers you'd like to be on this podcast, then make sure you DM us. See ya! See ya.